Welcome to Horror Bites on Saferin, uh, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I've got a lot to learn about lumberjacking in medieval times, and he's taking 2024 one step at a time. Together we are Neil Bolt and Jay Krieger. Jay, how goes it? Very good, man. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Very much looking forward to diving into uh, all the horrors that are in store for us in Horror Bites and everything that we'll, uh, I'm sure, find and uh, uncover throughout the year. Uh, it's like one of those weird things I find really exciting is like the the wiping of a slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like my like stats of the year and stuff like that as they come to the end of the year. And I like starting again and just like building up and going, oh, what's going to be the first thing I do here? And what's <laughs> going to be the sort of game that's going to be the interesting one this year that stands out like that? It's just, yeah, especially with Horror Bites, you know, the amount we're going to go through in, in a calendar year, it's just going to be like the end of the year will be just like, wow hopefully you know how many how do we whittle this down to five so, yeah <laughs> again <laughs> already dreading that end of the year list for horror bites but it'll oh, be uh, a, a yeah. good dread type of thing yeah but the journey the journey is what <laughs> uh so yeah it is as we say the first horror bites episode of 2024 it's the first thing we're recording all year not that you'll know that whether you know the the schedule says different um and yeah we're bringing you two morsels of morbid terror like most weeks nothing has changed in that regard uh, this week, Jay points and clicks his way to freedom in an unconventional manner. And then I, well, me, as you heard, I have a lot to learn about uh, chopping down trees. These games can be found on Itch.io. If you do play them and enjoy them, please make sure you give them a bit of love by supporting them in any way you can. So, you know, that's linked for both games we're going to have out there. So if, whether that's financial, just wish listing, supporting, things like that, great. Do that. Always helpful for them. Um, so first this week, Jay, an unorthodox set of mechanics fitted to some familiar horror, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, what really drew me to Neural Parasite from developer Softbrushware was the fact that it was taking a format, I suppose, of a game or a setting and which is like pretty familiar, right? Nazi yeah. zombies, um, but is exploring that concept in a way that is unfamiliar and unconventional. And I think that, you know, like any experiment, um, it definitely succeeds in some pri- some surprising ways. And then at the same time, you know, there might be a growing pain here or there mm. with those mechanics. So for Neural Parasite, you're playing as a World War II POW who's captured by Nazis and held in an underground bunker awaiting to be experimented on. As most people have guessed it, uh, the experimenting results in Nazi zombies filling the bunker and the player must escape. So for this game, it is traditional survival horror type of mechanics, right? You're going to be finding knives in the environment. So that way, if a zombie grabs you, it's an auto kill. You're going to be finding bullets for your revolver that you find. And then a majority of the objectives are along the traditional lines of here's a locked door. You find the key and then you can progress to the next area until, you know, you can find freedom uh, out of the bunker. So again, all of that is very sort of, generic i would say or just run of the mill what you would expect from a world war ii nazi zombie game but what the hook of neural parasite is is that all the actions in this game are done solely with the mouse yeah you're not looking around with um the mouse in the traditional sense so typically what you see on the screen is what you're looking at immediately and then right below it there's a pair of shoes and to move in this game you have to click on the left shoe and then the right shoe left shoe 
Raichu in the traditional manner of, you know, walking as a human being. Um, <laughs> that concept. <laughs> yeah, that concept and having to describe that uh, was certainly something. But, you know, for the context of this game, you know, that's how you move. But then if you want to shift your field of view from left to right, you have to drag the mouse up to the screen and then click on an arrow at either edge of the screen to then shift your view slightly before you left, right, left, right your way to that direction. Um, so this mechanic does a couple of things, right? I think that first and foremost and why this mechanic probably shines the most for a survival horror game is that it strengthens the survival aspect in that mm. every movement that you do in this bunker and the exploration throughout the bunker, it requires a little bit more thought, uh, not to say that clicking left and right on shoes is difficult or complex, <laughs> but it just, it requires the player to traverse an environment or traverse goals that are familiar in an unfamiliar way, which makes you think about everything you're doing just slightly bit yeah. more. And when you throw combat in the mix of that, and all of a sudden, you know, I have to worry about, am I facing the right direction? Have I backed up enough? Because you can also do that and back up using, again, left, right, left, right. But now I've got a zombie walking towards me. And if I don't have any knives, then I need to make sure that I'm staying on top of like my ammo management. And at the same time, the more, I would say, tactile nature of reloading guns in this game, which is that you have the weapon drawn and all of a sudden you can't move, but you also have to manually reload. So if I start popping off rounds, before I can load a chamber, I have to remove the empty shells yeah. and the empty casings, basically, which, again, making players do things that are very familiar to them in terms of a survival horror game, but adding one extra layer of complexity, you know, it adds some artificial difficulty. But I think overall, it makes for an experience that is a little more tense. And at the same time, you just think about, like, the fact that somebody was able to make a game such as this but give it that extra layer of complexity to it. Um, I think did a good job at not allowing this game to just feel like every other Nazi zombie game. Mm. Um, I think, you know, you could describe the control mechanics as being a gimmick of this game, I suppose. But if anything, I think that that reminded me a lot of a game that I have a great deal of admiration for, which is uh, Wolfenstein RPG, the mm. way in which you would traverse those halls. Granted, it's not a turn-based game by any means, but at the same time, the, the movement mechanics sort of reminded me of that. Um, and I'll say also, you know, the presentation of this game, I thought was strong. Mm. Um, you get little cutscenes for when you have to open certain doors. The light and sound design are great. The zombie models actually reminded me a lot of um, Jordan King's at the Knights of the Gates of Hell, where yeah. you have these models, but then the face is stretched over them. So it, it's sinister, but it's also like slightly a little off which, if anything, makes it seem more sinister. Yeah, and even the, the knife animation is uh, yes. similar to that game as well, which is like when I talk about sort of familiarity, you have that that, and obviously Amnesia of the Bunker comes to mind because of that being very recent in our memory, I suppose. Um, and the idea being that you are escaping with whatever, this sort of almost analogue you know, idea of what you do with horror and having to you know, deconstruct survival horror in that sense and doing all those little piecemeal things you don't normally have to worry about like reloading not being a tap of a button and things like that it does it's like the model kit approach as opposed to buying a ready-made toy if you will you you are your imagination takes you so far with both but you know you have to do these extra steps to sort of put it together and make it work and you know i think that's really admirable about this you know, i think being familiar, I think, is you know, a byproduct of doing something 
a bit different in terms of the gameplay uh, mechanics because I think you can't have the mechanics and a very different kind of game because it would just feel a bit frustrating and um, nothing. You want to have that sort of relatable loop and hook and idea of like you here, this reason out, this how, and that's it. And it's all you need, and it works. You know, at its core, that's all you need in the game. Um, you know, somehow, despite its briefness, you know, it really does feel quite intense. Um, that sort of clicking to the side of the screen is so ridiculously good at sort of building tension because it's that old going around the corner thing again deconstructing the idea of what it used to be like in survival horror with the fixed camera and it's like oh i can hear something but i can't see it because of the way the camera's positioned and there it's like a really slow turn really slow turn really slow, and you know it's kind of like um in a way that you are technically like a camera in a first person game attached to someone's head you know effectively it really does make you feel like that here where it's your character holding a camera that's just slightly off 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 and doing all that and it, it's yeah i i think it'd be very difficult to branch this out into a, like a full game without like making some changes but yeah i think it suits small format perfectly you know it, it really does that way it doesn't outstay its welcome doesn't get too frustrating and to be fair the way the game is designed at least gives you a little forgiveness and the knife system is fairly generous i think in terms of like helping you out and giving you enough uh, to sort of make a few mistakes and that yeah and you said with the sound design you know that helps as well in terms of like pinpointing where to go and not to go uh, as much as anything so yeah i i think it's really a great start to the year with that that we have something that um and just does what we like generally in horror bites which is this reminds me of this and but it's doing something fresh and um yeah Good start. Good way to do it, I think. Always looking for those little curveballs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we grab our best axe and go a chopping, uh, we will take a small break. Welcome back to Horror Bites. I have lost count of how many trees I've chopped down in video games over the years. <laughs> I mean, on a digital level, because I almost feel qualified to do the task without any hitches whatsoever. But in bad light games, trust the watchers. I learned that while it may be, no, it might be very good at swinging the virtual lights, I haven't actually got a clue what trees I shouldn't be chopping down. And the problem here, you know, isn't a lack of permit either. It's uh, in this game, you are a rookie in a group of three medieval soldiers who are stuck playing lookout in these wet, cold woods, and they're having trouble keeping the fire going. So it falls to you, the player, to go cut down a tree for some dry wood that will keep the fire going all night. And, you know, of course, it's not as simple as that, is it? Never is. Um, yeah, so you obviously have some terrible outcomes for going and chopping down the wrong tree. To say much more is going to give it away. Very short experience here again, so you aren't going to be uh, getting too much in the way of details in that. But... Structure-wise, you know, it's very basic, you know, like a fetch quest type of game, like go get this, do this several times, a thing happen each time you get to do it. You know, it kind of harkens back to a lot of the stuff we did in the early days of Horror Bites, actually, in that regard. Um, you get a lot of those sort of games which are very much like story-led experiences, 
And, and yeah, I quite enjoy that. You know, I know we are getting these evolving, you know, games that are starting to come closer to like what full games used to do, but in these micro packages. But I, I really do enjoy when you get what is basically a visual novel, but with a bit more, you know, first person sort of interactivity. And here, the visual style of that I really enjoyed as well. You know, it's that typical sort of 90s, you know, PC, PlayStation sort of thing. But the, the character models looked really interesting. You know, all these like like big, hideous, wide smiles with missing teeth and stuff like that and just all smushed together. They look like very, these very typical sort of, oh, you know, I, I'm a peasanty sort of medieval soldier sort of thing. And it's like, I, I thought that was... um added to the sort of general mood of the piece, you know, where you have this sort of like, this is the shittest job in the world and you happen to be in the shittest position of the three people like that. And sure, you, you kind of know where it's going. I think after the first time they send you to a tree and it's like, you see this tree and it's like, yeah, there's a different, this will be it, there's something that's going to happen here. And of course, it doesn't happen straight away and you go back and forth and you carry some logs and yeah. It's predictable, but who cares? Yeah, I think it does what it does very well. And you get this um, sort of good appreciation of like getting lost as well. You know, Despite being a small space, it's open enough that you kind of have to keep remembering your routes back and forth to the, the few times you do that, that sort of route. And there's no like really obvious thing apart from like from one, you know, you can see the glow of the fire from a distance. So yeah, even there, it's just like, got this atmosphere totally on point in that regard yeah so yeah in some ways nothing spectacular but in other ways i think a good refinement of that kind of game how about you how, how did you get on with this one yeah i want to start with your comment on the uh the environment that you're exploring like again to drop a player into an experience that is maybe 10 minutes at most mm. the fact you're able to establish a setting a tone about again like this is a soldier that's got the shit detail you get a little bit of the banter between the other soldiers chiding him as being the rookie and whatnot and then you drop the player into this environment and you're not giving them the traditional sort of like hey this is the right path to take yeah in the traditional sense it does so by just the general design of the environment you know you're following multiple paths but oh this path looks a little different than the one over there yes it's got a little bit more detail to it so all of a sudden you're cued in as the player to like, I'm going to go investigate this path instead because this looks slightly off. And then just the fact that the developer is able to communicate that to players again in a short period of time, it's set in the woods at night, so it's much darker and it lacks the traditional sort of exclamation mark or bullet point, hey, go here. And yet it's a very sort of just fluid thing. It doesn't really have a lot of slowdown to it until you get to the second half of it, which you know we don't have to necessarily detail, but it's nice that this experience, as short as it is, it has some world building, it has some smart environmental design, and then you have the tension in the second half, mm. which you know has a little bit of this sort of a maze escape aspect to it. But you still have these sort of roadblocks in your way, which then has more of the interactivity portion of the game. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, the player actions in this game, the only thing you can do is swing an axe to chop wood. And the fact that that mechanic is introduced in the t what is essentially the tutorial mm. for the finale. Again, it's this little cohesive, uh, short and sweet kind of game that I thought, as you said, with the models, like very expressive. They do a lot to establish the period while at the same time having this sort of 
you know, monstrous smiles to all yeah. the characters <laughs> and whatnot. And when you beat the game, you're treated to a lengthy segment of that. Um, but yeah, you know, it was one that there isn't a terrible amount to say more than we already have. But at the same time, I think it's it speaks to just a developer that understands and, you know, I suppose it's reminiscent of a developer that has played a good deal of games themselves and understands yeah. how important that early hour of a traditional game is. And to compartmentalize that into something that's 10 minutes, um, it's the type of thing where it's like I immediately looked on Itch.io for some other projects they've done, or at the very least jotted down their names on my Itch.io page. So that way I could be like, oh, I'm going to keep an eye on them because mm. maybe they'll continue something in this medieval world, or maybe they'll do something completely different with a new setting. But I would still be interested in whatever they do because of what they showed uh, with this very brief slice of Trust the Watchers. Yeah. And you know, I think it comes back to this whole thing of like, you see an idea that comes out and gets like um, you know driven into the ground after a while when someone makes a, like a good version or something, others will follow. Like we're seeing it right now with the whole Mickey Mouse thing you know, in the public <laughs> domain, like that. Yes, all the early things are going to be the, the rush jobs, the cash job, things that don't take much money to make and can be rushed out and done. Of course they are. But, um, that's good because it means later others will come in and go, okay, let's calm down. That didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. And we all know why. You know, we can do this. We can refine on this. We can do different things and add a bit of personality. And, you know, that's exactly what I'm seeing with this game. You know, it's like we have played many games like it in terms of structure. And for, you know, in a bad sense for it, it's like, okay, we've seen this structure before. So that kind of dulls a little bit. But at the same time, you can appreciate the quality there and see that it's done smoothly and slickly it's like when you like, watch a horror film and it's like oh it does all the things that you know that it's going to do and like that and you're you almost would roll your eyes in most cases but when it does it well you know and it just everything is like hits the beat hits the beat does the thing it's supposed to do you notice that you know it's like sure you can have the basic tools to make a game, a game like someone else but putting what you know and how you approach things into those you know really does make that difference you know and, and that's the best sort of compliment you can give this game. So I think uh, we're going to wrap up for now. Um, if you are a developer of an indie horror game, demo, concept, or a game jam entry, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a DM at Safe Room Pod on Twitter, which is still going, uh, or saferoompod at gmail.com for email if you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed on the show. Jay, um, Again, a happy new year, and I look forward to discussing many more horror bites with you in the coming year. But in the meantime, we will keep searching for those horror.